Hello, Husky fans. This is Max Cerullo, and you are listening to another episode of Yes, UConn. Uh, and yes, that's right, that's new music, but we're uh, doing it the same old way. We're diving deep into the greatest UConn basketball games ever played. And uh, today we're diving deep into hopefully the greatest UConn basketball play- games yet to be played. Uh, Tim Fontenot is here with me once again, and we are going to dive real deep into the bracketology of the next week, two weeks, basically what UConn has in front of it. Uh, Tim, first of all, thanks so much for coming back. How's everything going? That's pretty good. Thanks for having me back. And a big congratulations to you, by the way, future dad. Thank you. Yes, yes. That's Very a, exciting. That is happening. Um, yeah, we're uh, you know jo- joining the dad club and uh, hopefully going to enjoy some uh, some big games with uh, the little one in the years to come. But uh, before we get to that, you know, um, you, you know, UConn's got to take care of some business in the next uh, couple of weeks. But, dude, it's crazy. But we're at the last week. It's March. We are officially, it's, you know, UConn on the calendar. Um, it's crazy to imagine, like, we've been waiting for, like, you know, oh, man, it's just, like, a, a crazy season, like, you know, COVID pauses and injuries, and now it's like, oh, actually, it's, like, it's crunch time. And, uh, you know, honestly, UConn's playing pretty darn well. Uh, four wins in the last five games at this point, and, uh, you know, Book Knight and RJ Cole, man, just absolutely taking it to Marquette the other day. Uh, so before we dive into the, we're, we're going to talk about like every conceivable scenario for how the next week or two could play out. So for, first things first, Tim, what are your, any thoughts, to, you know, kind of where we stand now before we uh, get too far ahead of ourselves in the, you know, crazy possibilities that could await us? Well, the calendar has turned to March. UConn has a pair of guards who are becoming in an excellent duo. Everyone, you know, things seem to be really rounding into form. This is the formula. This is this is UConn season. So this is this is a really exciting time for this team. It's been a while since we've really been at this point. It, we kind of got teased last year because as UConn was rolling into the last week of the season in the American, there was the way they were playing. You felt like they could go and win that tournament and get back into the NCAA tournament. But now, you know. This is this is different. Heading into Madison Square Garden for the Big East tournament, you really gotta like where this team is at right now. Yeah, it's great too because not only is all all of that the case, but last year UConn got off to a really bad start in conference play and was basically just trying to fight their way back up into a respectable finish. And I believe they ended up finishing fifth, and we were looking looking at that like, hey, this is great. Like you know, because for a while you know they were stuck in sixth, seventh, eighth place. Yeah. Well, you know what? UConn is rolling right now, and they are firmly, or well, maybe not firmly, but they are number three in the conference. And all, you know, they've been in the top, like, kind of in that, like, three to five range the whole season. And as it stands now, that is their range. They cannot fall lower than fifth place in the conference. And, um, you know, it's it's pretty refreshing. Like, we wa- we expected this of UConn, but after the last couple of years, you just couldn't be sure. And it's great to see that this team really is what we thought they were. And now they're playing like we thought they were. RJ Cole is playing like the guy that we thought we were getting from Howard. James Booknight finally seems to, you know, he's playing more like himself after, you know, a couple of interesting games and everybody else is finding their role. So very, it's, it's super exciting. So Tim, how do you want to start this? So we, I have, uh, I prepared us uh, some show notes here and I'll probably post these because I, kind of went ham and really i mean did i was i too thorough here did i did i miss anything 
No, I, I love this. This is a fun read, especially for, for a nerd like me. I, I live for this. So uh, for those who are going to do this audio only, I'll, I'll probably tweet this out um, you know, right after this goes out or whatever. But basically, I, I got a document in front of me that has pretty much all the stats and scenarios you could imagine. So, you know, first is what you might expect to find, you know, on ESPN with the record. So as it stands now, UConn is third in the conference. As I said, they are nine and six in the league, uh, 12 and six overall. And um, kind of what we what we want to pay attention to closely right now is their quad, uh, you know, their net ranking. Basically, they are 36 in the net when we're recording at this moment, uh, Monday night, March 1st. Uh, Villanova is first and 11th. Creighton is second and 23rd. And, you know, everyone else is sort of kind of in the the Xavier's 48. And then most of the teams we care about is kind of between 50 and 100. So um, in terms of the quadrant wins, which is what I was trying to the roundabout way of trying to get to there, uh, UConn two and three in quad one wins, three and three in quad two games. Uh, 4-0 in quad three. Thank you to St. John's for bumping up to 73 in the net to get that loss up to quad two and uh, 3-0 in quad four. So UConn is uh, looking pretty good in that respect. And, uh, you know, we... You can kind of look up these stats for yourself, but Big East is looking pretty strong as a whole, uh, but UConn is in pretty much any metric you look at. They are the number three team in the conference, and the numbers do reflect that. Um, And right now we have uh, everybody in the conference has two games or fewer to play. Uh, Butler and DePaul have one game left each, so we don't really need to worry too much about that. But as everyone knows, UConn's got uh, at Seton Hall on Wednesday, and uh, Georgetown is coming to Gamble Pavilion on Saturday. And there are some other really uh, you know, important games kind of down the list, too. Um, but, yeah, so, Tim, I don't know. Where do you want to start? Do you want to, I guess, uh, run through each of the scenarios and, you know, kind of talk about our preferences? Yeah, I think that's a good place to set the scene a little bit. All right. So, as it stands now, UConn currently number three in the Big East. They are guaranteed to finish between number three and five in the league. So, UConn and Seton Hall, this Wednesday, obviously, is a really big one for UConn. Um, And if UConn wins, they're pretty much locked into the three. It'd be pretty hard for them to not finish in the three at that point, Uh, but it wouldn't be a guarantee. So here's kind of as it pertains to Seton Hall. Um, If they both go one and one, so either UConn could win on Wednesday and then, you know, lose on Saturday, Seton Hall win on Saturday, or vice versa, whatever. UConn would uh, still edge Seton Hall by a slight margin. Uh, the winning percentage, these numbers are going to get weird because everyone's playing a different number of games. Uh, UConn would have a 5-8-8 winning percentage at 10-7. and seven. Seton Hall, they would finish 11-8, and eight, and they would be 5-7-9. So UConn's slight edge. But it wouldn't be enough to clinch the three because Xavier could still edge UConn if UConn finished 1-1 one and one and Xavier were to go 2-0. and oh. So, you know, UConn really needs to win out to kind of assure itself that number three spot. And, um, you know, Xavier has a favorable schedule, too. Uh, They're at Georgetown and at Marquette in their last two games. So um, I guess first things first, Tim, you know, just looking at those three teams. So what are are we how do we feel about UConn and kind of just the the state of the, uh, the race right now where these three teams are kind of battling for those, you know, jockeying for position for the those you know, middle three spots there. Yeah, I think what UConn has proven since James Booknight came back is with Booknight in the lineup and with what we've seen from the other guys, this is clearly the best of those three teams. And, you know, we saw that 
We saw UConn go up against Xavier on the road. We saw what they were able to do. And that was before Book Knight came back. So, you know, now going to Seton Hall, big game on Wednesday night. You got to think, you know, that was a that was a really tough game at Gamble back in early February. And UConn was still, you know, it wasn't it wasn't pretty, but they were still in that game. And now with Book Knight back and the way this team is playing, you got to think that that's got to be a win for UConn. I mean, they're still. You look at Ken Palm's got UConn as a one point underdog, but it's like a, it's like forty nine percent chance of victory. It, it's a fifty fifty game, but I think just based on form and based on you know what this team looks like with him in the lineup, you've got to give it to them. Um, and obviously, if they win that game, that means the three seed is all but wrapped up, not guaranteed. But um, you, but you know, you look at you look at that, and I just think that there's there's really no reason why UConn can't go down and get that win. And, you know, after that, you know, George Xavier's, you know, Xavier's got a favorable schedule, but also that Marquette game that they played a couple months ago, I mean, I know things changed, but that was one of the, that was one of the wildest games of the Big East season so far. Marquette and is just it, such a strange team, aren't they? They are in, they they're are. in so many wild and crazy games. And I just, so when I was putting together my list, I couldn't believe this. Marquette is tied for the most quad one wins in the Big East. And not only that, they're four and seven. They've had a lot of bites at the apple. They played 11 quad one games. It's nuts. Yeah, that's significantly the most in in the conference when you look at it. And they and you go down the list, like very few quad three and quad four games. They've got what, six total in in that region. And obviously they've they've cleaned up in those for the most part. And we saw what they did at North Carolina, but we also saw what UConn did to Marquette. So, I mean they're they're a weird team. They're they're not a bad team. And I think that's something we talked about too after after the comeback. Like this isn't this isn't a horrible team. It doesn't reflect really in their record, but you know they're gonna give Xavier some problems in that game on Saturday. So, I mean, as long as UConn takes care of business, it won't matter. But that's still that's definitely a game to watch, no matter what. Yeah, that's gonna be fascinating. Um, obviously, you know, if UConn takes care of business and wins on Wednesday, a lot of this drama is really gonna kind of work itself out. You know, UConn losing to Georgetown after beating Seton Hall. You know, it wouldn't be devastating, but it could cause him problems. Like, at the very least, it would potentially knock him down into the four, the four or five game, and that wouldn't necessarily be the worst place to be. But it just means if they end up in the four or five, there's a pretty good chance they're going to wind up playing Xavier. I think just based on the numbers, it's a little bit hard to tell. But I feel it would be a lot would have to happen for Xavier to not be in the four or five game at this point. Yeah. I, I don't know about you, but do you want to play Xavier in the first round? I, I'd rather not if they can help it. <laughs> Honestly, I, I would prefer not to. It'd be an awesome game, but yeah, it wouldn't necessarily be the most favorable matchup. But it would really it would have real Charleston classic vibes to it. I feel like. Yeah, I don't think my heart could take that. That that'd be a lot. No. <laughs> so here's so you know so best case scenario, obviously UConn just goes two and zero. They're the three seed. The worst case scenario would look something like this where. And this is actually one of the better case versions of this worst case scenario. UConn loses to Seton Hall. They beat Georgetown or they lose to Georgetown. And then Xavier and Seton Hall could then both go 2-0. That drops UConn to the 5. So functionally, that's no different than finishing in the 4 in the Big East tournament perspective. But uh, you, you you want UConn to finish higher than 5th in the conference, don't you? Like Especially yeah, considering where they are now. We, you know, you, you, don't, you, you don't need that. 
Um, good news though is that number five is the floor. They mathematically can't finish lower than that, and uh, that is because uh, both Providence and St. John's, if they were to win out, they would only finish ten and nine. So uh, we're talking, you know, win percentages again. UConn's win percentage at nine and eight, which is finishing zero and two, that's five two nine, and the other guys, if they finish ten and nine, five two six. So a difference of literally a fraction of a fraction of a percent, but it would be enough. So UConn gets the five there and um, Providence and St. John's uh, obviously they play each other this week. So only one of them would potentially be in that boat. So let's talk about that one. Uh, St. John's versus Providence on Wednesday is going to be a real interesting game. Um, St. John's as of right now is barely North of 75 in the net rankings. And because of that, UConn's home loss to them is, uh, currently a quad two instead of a quad three, which is pretty helpful. Uh, but Providence, they're, they're like only, um, where, are, where are we here? They're only 79 in the net. So if they were to jump up and uh, get North of 75, then that would make, uh, you know, U- UConn's road loss to the Friars would be a quad one loss instead of a quad two. So, um, Tim, what do we make of this? Like, you know, not that UConn necessarily needs to root for either of these teams, but like, I guess like it's probably best for St. John's to stay above 75. But what do we, I don't know, what do you, what do you think of this one? Do you have any rooting preference for this game? Uh, well, when it comes to rooting for St. John's or Providence, you know, you, you always pull for the giant meteor, I feel like. But I don't know. I feel like I. I think you're right. I feel like the St. John's win becoming a or the St. John's game becoming a quad two loss. I think is slightly better than than Providence. Like I don't know. Like I feel like I'd rather have more quad ones and quad twos combined than just Providence moving up to a quad one and St. John's staying at a quad three. I feel like I'd rather have a the higher quality. I'd rather have fewer quad three, quad four losses, obviously. So, I don't know. It's going to be a really great game either way. I mean, obviously, I am going to really enjoy watching Posh Alexander and uh, Julian Champagne go up against David Duke and all those guys, the dude with the blonde hair, Horkler from Providence. It's going to be a great game. But, yeah, I I think you just got to say maybe St. John's becoming a quad two loss would just – would just be slightly better for UConn. Yeah, well, and, for, and just to be clear, they already are. Uh, so it's just yeah. a matter of making sure it stays that way. Yeah. Uh, I don't, you know, a lot of things can affect these net rankings and not necessarily things that are, you know, even on our radar, like a team that Providence or whoever played or beat. Like, I don't know, like, yeah, Providence played Indiana at the beginning of the season. So something could happen to them. And next thing you know, Providence is all of a sudden their net ranking goes up by eight. I don't know. It's, yeah. it's so many factors. So we can't predict it, but... UConn seven and zero in quad three and quad four games combined. So if St. John stays as a quad two, that looks a lot better. Obviously, anytime you see a, anytime you see a loss in that part of the, in that part of the net rankings, especially when you know Seton Hall has one, Xavier doesn't have any. You know, I just think that looks a lot better. Yeah. So. Um, and then one more thing on St. John's, you know, whether we care or not about how they do against Providence, UConn fans are definitely going to want to root for them against Seton Hall on Saturday. And so that's, you know, both of the reasons we just said, and also just, you know, regardless of how UConn does against Seton Hall on Wednesday, if St. John's beats them on Saturday, then that pretty much guarantees that UConn is going to finish above them in the standings as long as, you know, UConn at least takes care of business against Georgetown. So uh, you know, go Johnny's, I guess, you know, <laughs> see, see how things go there. Um, yeah. 
And then one more thing on Providence, and actually I, I did skip over one thing. So UConn cannot jump Villanova or Creighton in the standings. So three is their ceiling. Uh, and the reason why is, uh, you know, if either Villanova or Creighton, if either of them were to lose their last two games, they would still have a small uh, edge in the win percentage there. Um, that being said, Villanova comes into play on Saturday because Providence plays them. And so for the same reasons that, you know, we're talking about, well, maybe if Providence can get up to 75 or above, well, you know, beating Villanova would probably do the trick. So uh, that might be another one to keep an eye on. So um, one more interesting one, Marquette is 88 in the net. I don't think it's not sure how they would get to 75 because, you know, winning it, they they played DePaul. That's not going to move the needle needle very much. Uh, But they do, you know, we mentioned the Xavier game, so... I don't know. What do we think about that? Is is it even possible Marquette is it just wishful thinking at this point to consider the possibility that Marquette could jump up into this uh, this top seventy five? Yeah, it, it might be a lot to ask. I mean, you know, you never know. But yeah, I I don't know if I see that happening. I mean, I could do I see them possibly beating Xavier? Yeah, but I don't know if it'll be enough to make them to make them move into the top seventy five. Yeah, it seems like that would be a lot. And the reason I bring that up is because if they do bump up in the top 75, then UConn's wins over them bump up. Uh, each one of them bumps up a, a number. So the road win becomes a quad one win and the uh, home win comes a quad two. And that mean, you know, that road win, that was a that was a win. So <laughs> it'd be <laughs> nice to see it reflected as such. Um, yeah. Let's talk Big East title race. Um, so Villanova and Creighton are playing on Wednesday to for the most, I mean, it's not necessarily going to decide the title, but it may as well. Um, you know, Creighton wins. They are in the driver's seat to win the uh, Big East title outright. And that doesn't really affect UConn in the short term, but I feel like UConn fans should probably be rooting for Creighton for a long-term perspective. Because um, as it stands now, UConn and Villanova are tied for the most Big East regular season championships in conference history with 10. So if Villanova wins, that they, they stand alone at 11. So um, I don't know. Are you cool with that? No, I don't want. I don't want Villanova getting eleven before we do. Absolutely not. So yeah, you gotta pull for Creighton in that scenario. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and, and you know, this is a case where like UConn can't stop this from happening for the regular season. Unfortunately, that ship has already sailed. So you know, Creighton could get it done, man. And uh, is one other reason why that would be significant too. Um, Villanova. Uh, let's see, what are they at? So they they came into the year with 15 Big East titles total. So the 10 regular season and five tournament titles. Well, guess what? If they win them both, they're, UConn's tied with Villanova once again, 17 all, and, uh, and Georgetown too, but, you know, whatever. Uh, you don't have to worry about Georgetown. Could you imagine if Georgetown won the Big East tournament and all of a sudden yeah. they have 18? Yeah, I just and all of a sudden they have the most tournament titles of anyone in the conference. You know, we come into this new Big East and we are still tied for the record for the most uh, tournament titles. So I would prefer that we get there before Georgetown. And if Georgetown gets there this year, then, you know, give Patrick Ewing a 10 year contract. I think your worst case scenario would be Villanova wins the regular season and Georgetown wins the tournament. And then everybody's just like what (laughs) it's like like shoot we were too late oh no well i mean just for one year i guess i mean who knows what will happen in the future but uh yes nova creighton game super fascinating on wednesday by the way i just like just before we before we move on i just you know creighton 
might be the weirdest team in the Big East. They are really good. And they're one of the best teams in the country. But they're also, you know, three of their six losses are quad three losses. They have some weird losses in the conference this year. And recently, too. They, um, I lost, you know, the Xavier lost okay. But, you know, they lost to Georgetown. They lost to Butler and Providence and Marquette. For being one of the top two teams in the conference, it was really surprising. And then Villanova is coming into this game off the Butler loss. And a <laughs> Butler ran them out of Hinkle for the most part on uh, on Sunday. So and this feels like an opportunity for if if Creighton wins, I think that puts UConn in a really good spot going into the tournament because that would that was neither of these teams above them are really are really convincing. They're they're good. They're clearly the two best teams, but you know, they can be, you know, you can get at them. And UConn can certainly get at them as, you know, they start to, as they roll into the tournament in the in the kind of form that they're playing and with Booknight back, I mean, that's got that's going to be really fun to watch. Yeah, yeah, Creighton, they're, yeah, they're weird. I mean, they are 2-3 uh, and three in quad three games, and they are 11-3 and three in quad one and quad two games combined. <laughs> I, I don't really know what to make of that. That's they're like yeah they're like Marquette. They're just like super yeah. weird. Except like I guess Marquette wishes they were Creighton this year. They're like oh please just <laughs> we'll we'll take a few bad losses if we get to have all those wins. But yeah exactly yeah um yeah no Creighton is interesting. Uh I think I think I would rather yeah I obviously I'd rather see them win Wednesday. And here you mentioned Butler. Get this. Butler is somehow two and one this year against Villanova and Creighton. Does that make any sense to you? It's, a, it's like the Brad Stevens years all of a sudden. Yeah, except yeah, I mean Butler. It's so weird. Like you, they're like objectively the team that UConn. Well, actually Marquette is, but they're other than Marquette, they're objectively the team that UConn kind of owned the most this year. Yeah. Neither of their games were close, and yet you look at their record. They have eight Big East wins, eight and eleven. You know. We're not, they're not they're, they're not good, but like winning eight Big East games is no picnic, you know. No, and both of those both of those wins against Butler were without Booknight. The first the one at Hinkle was the first one without him for a full game, and they won both by twelve. And the second one came after those losses to St. John's and Creighton. So you're in a spot where okay, if they lose that one, then all hell breaks loose because then they had the two losses in a row after that. So you know. Either of those games against Butler could have really derailed UConn's season, and they beat them handily. Yeah, and it probably we should probably mention too, like Villanova and Creighton. You know, they lose these weird games, like you know they both lost to Butler, and you know other teams as well. U- UConn is seven and zero against the bottom four teams in the Big East right now, and yeah. you know with you know they have one game left against Georgetown, but they swept Butler, they swept Marquette, and they swept DePaul. Um, you know, if you go into the season, you know we're like you got to have those games. But it's you know what it doesn't always work out that way. I mean, look at who they've lost to. Like you know, you have one loss to Providence. You lose a game to St. John's. You lose a game to Seton Hall, and you're currently you know you zero and three against Villanova and Creighton. You know, if I told you at the beginning of the season that that's how it would have played out, I'd say okay. I mean, that's that's not really that's not terrible. Like you kind of expect that. So yeah, crazy. Yeah. So uh, Creighton, yeah, wouldn't it be just the strangest and dumbest thing? If Creighton beats Villanova and then lost to Butler in their last game, <laughs> give it to me. I love that. No, don't give that. No, you don't want that. No, that's <laughs> bad. Kidding. That means Vill- I'm kidding. I'm that kidding. means Villanova <laughs> wins the title. Like, 
No, we don't. Yeah. We don't need yeah. that. Unless Villanova yeah. were to lose to uh, who 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 do they play at the end? Providence. Yeah. So if Villanova yeah. loses to Creighton and Providence, then Butler, <laughs> then Creighton can lose to Butler if they want. I guess. Chaos. Yeah, just absolute insanity. I only just wish that if UConn had only just beaten Creighton that one time, and if yeah. they maybe if they they pick up that win against St. John's or something too. I mean, we could be t- like for real. Like we could be talking about UConn stealing the biggest regular season championship at the end of the season. Like it's yeah. n- not that far fetched. But you know no, what? It is- you know they're they're not gonna obviously they're not going to at this point mathematically. But if you remember before this season when we were talking about where we where we expected UConn to finish, you know what did what did we say? Take care of the bottom teams. If you can steal a win against Villanova or Creighton, great. But just don't mess up. And obviously they had a lot of adversity thrown their way this year, but they cleaned up against the bottom teams. They were competitive with Creighton and Villanova. And now here they are as the three as the number three team in the conference and on track potentially to lock up that three seed real soon. So, you know, just take care of business. That's all really all you could ask. And, you know, they're playing their best basketball. So, um, so yeah, that's this week. Uh, a lot of good stuff coming. Um, you know, it's going to be a fun day of basketball on Wednesday and an even more fun one on, on Saturday. That's that's for sure. And then, uh, guess what? The Big East Tournament. We're back. We're back, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so well, let's uh, let's kind of break this down. So Villanova and Creighton, regardless of whatever this week holds for them, they're going to be the top two seeds. And UConn, we know, will be three through five somewhere in there. Um, and we know that finishing three is the – you know, going to be the easiest path in the tournament and would most likely uh, result in avoiding Seton Hall or Xavier, barring a spectacular collapse by one of those teams. And um, other benefit of earning the three is a better tip time. Uh, the three versus six quarterfinal plays, uh, or three versus six, I'm going to guess that whoever plays DePaul is going to beat them. So the three versus six quarterfinal tips off at nine, uh, nine o'clock on Thursday, the 11th, whereas the four versus five quarterfinal tips at three. Um, Obviously, I figure a lot of us are working from home, but I'm going to guess most people would probably prefer the 9 o'clock, right? Yeah, Thursday's my Sunday uh, in my work week, so either works for me, but I'd, I'd rather have the 9 o'clock game anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, actually, also the benefit of the 3 is UConn would get the late semi- semifinal as the 3 in the, um, in the, in the semifinal as well. Uh, the 2 versus 3 game would tip off at 9 on Friday, while the uh, one versus four would tip off at six. I guess, you know, whatever, that's either way is fine. But still, I think most people would prefer that. Certainly they'd yeah. prefer to know who the who they'd be taking on in the finals should they advance. So, um, But UConn in prime time from the Garden, I've missed that. And it's going to be – now, correct me if I – this is the one thing I forgot to look up, but they are saying that there will be fans in Madison Square Garden, right? Like a very small amount? I may have missed that. Here, I think we're here. Let's here, let's uh, stall. Give me a second to stall so uh, I can uh, look this up because that's what I, I'm pretty sure I read that uh, New York was going to allow that. So I don't know. Say something. Talk. To I know there will be. <laughs> I know there will be some. Uh, there will be some fans in attendance for the Seton Hall game on Wednesday, which I've seen a couple of UConn fans have gotten tickets for that. Which you know, stay safe. You know, obviously keep distance from other people while you're at that game, but. Man, to have a few UConn fans in that building, it's gonna be, you know, it's gonna be great. Obviously, it doesn't make as, you know, it's not the same as having a couple hundred, a couple thousand in there for for an away game in the Big East. But man, just having a few in there can make all the difference. So if you're going to that game, I know there's a few of you. Be loud, 
be be supportive of this team. Be help. Be safe. Be healthy. But man, you can really you can really make a difference on Wednesday if yeah. you guys can uh, push that team toward victory against Seton Hall. Yeah, that, I'm, I'm, that's a huge game. I might be conflating the what I the biggest tournament with Seton Hall because yeah, I think that's that is definitely true. All right, so according to uh, Sports Illustrated, as of February nineteenth, uh, the Big East will not allow fans to attend the conference tournament. Uh, they won't tickets will not be sold to the general public. However, uh, each school will get a limited allotment of tickets, probably for family and you know whoever. So yeah, okay, I saw so something today that the women's tournament will be like that. Yeah, It'll be limited family and friends. Yeah, that makes sense. And actually, I should say this appears to be aggregated from uh, Adam Zagoria, a former guest of the show, um, does really great stuff covering the the Big East. So absolutely. Yeah, whatever. Okay, so you get the idea. Um, <laughs> anyway, so uh, yeah, so Big East tournament's going to be a thing. And, um, yeah, so, um, all right, so who, so if UConn gets the three, who are they going to play? Uh, most likely either St. John's or Providence. Uh, and then we'll have a better idea how that's going to go probably after Wednesday. Who would you rather see? Hmm. It's a good question because, you know, you've only seen St. John's once this year and you lost to them, you know, granted without book night, whatever you've seen Providence twice. Book Knight came back, made a huge difference. You took care of Providence in that second game. I think it, it'll depend on what we see this week. You know, if, you know, whichever of these teams, you know, I mean, obviously the, that game will make a difference in who's going to be the sixth seed. So I, I'd say right now I'd probably lean Providence. I mean, we're rooting for, I think we said we're rooting for St. John's in that game. So that can make all the difference in the world. But if I had, like, if I had the option come next Thursday, I would lean Providence slightly. I, I think that's a good take. I disagree. I think I'd rather see St. John's for a couple of reasons. Um, one is that, just frankly, I just think it's more realistic, and I think it's just going to be yeah. a more interesting and a more fun matchup. And two, like UConn's going to want to kick those guys' asses, <laughs> like. <laughs> They're that they're not they're gonna just be like all right like let's get these guys like you know they'll have book night back it's just gonna be a totally different scene and uh, one other reason too is I think beating St John's would be better for their NCAA tournament resume too Um, that's a good point you know beating Providence second you know especially if St John's is in that position it means they've probably taken care of business this week so you know it'll be interesting to see how the numbers play out but I do think that. We want to make ultimately UConn needs to be make the NCAA tournament, and if they don't win the Big East tournament, which you know they can, and you know many of my many of our listeners would argue that they definitely will, you know you just want to make sure the resume is rock solid. And you know I think if they beat if they beat Seton Hall, if they beat Georgetown, and certainly if they beat St. John's or any combination of those three, I have a hard time seeing how they don't make the tournament. I mean, they're already, I wouldn't call them a lock, but they should be pretty close to one right now. So you you just, you know, I just feel like, you know, if you beat St. John's after, you know, putting yourself in a position to play them, it's going to be, it's going to work in in the best for them. Um, One other thing on that one, five words, James Booknight versus Posh Alexander. Oh man. I think. That would be a lot of fun. I think I just got sweaty. (laughs) (laughs) Two, Two New York guards, you know, Going at it in Madison Square Garden in the Big East tournament. I mean, that's the dream. <laughs> that's it, man. You got it. So, um, and then uh, just to kind of entertain the other possibilities, 
uh, either should UConn wind up in the 4-5 game or if just some shenanigans happens and one of these teams winds up in the 6, I guess. Uh, Xavier or Seton Hall, um, who would you theoretically rather play in the first round then? I know what we just said about Xavier, but um, I think I'd have to hold off answering that question until after the Seton Hall game on, on Wednesday. Um, no, no, no push. No, you you got to no, tell. You gotta... I know, I know. Oh my gosh, um, Xavier. I I just love these UConn Xavier games. I've really enjoyed them the last couple of years, and I I love that game obviously in in Cincinnati the other day. But um, it would come down to having to shut down Fremantle and uh, Fremantle Company again. The uh, that's gonna be tough. I mean, both those games would be. Wild, especially when you consider those are the three teams flirting on the bubble, in uh, in the for the tournament. But man, I just I love those UConn Xavier games. That so I think that would be, uh, I'm not gonna say fun, but I that would be a big game to watch. Yeah, I I agree with you there. I think I would, in, given the circumstance, I would prefer to play Xavier in that scenario. And you know the reason, honestly, Seton Hall is tough. Like I, I, I'm fascinated in seeing how this Wednesday is going to go. But like, I respect the hell out of that team, and they're, I don't know, I, I, the less that, the less UConn has to do with them in big games, the better. Honestly, yeah, they're, they're, I feel like they're really dangerous. So you know, take care of business this week, and hopefully that's the last you see of them until maybe I don't know. Who knows? Maybe they'll see them if you know if both teams make a run. Maybe that that'd be a really cool uh, championship game. Obviously, a lot of stuff would have to happen. I mean, some, yeah. that would be wildly improbable. I admit that, yeah. but I don't know. You know that that feels like that would be a fun one. So let's let's um let's put the cart before the horse and say UConn takes care of uh, wins the quarterfinal. Uh, they'll either play probably Creighton or Villanova in the semis unless some strange things happen. Who who would you rather see then? Between Creighton and Villanova. Yeah. It, it, Creighton. I think I agree. I mean, yeah, I think that game earlier this season was incredible, and UConn's what is free throws away from winning that game. So, and like we talked about, Creighton is probably the weirdest team in the conference. Obviously, they've been really great against quad one, quad two teams, but they've proven that they are. They've shown that they can really, like I said earlier, you can get at them, and. You know, R.J. Cole was fantastic against Zagorowski in that first game. And R.J. Cole has only gotten better since that game. And now with, you know, Booknight healthy, but also Andre Jackson wasn't really involved back then. You know, if he keeps if he keeps getting better, now you've got you've got the bigs really locked in. I mean, this UConn can prove that they belong up there with Creighton and Villanova in this game, in this hypothetical game. I, man, I, I would be hard pressed to not back UConn to win that game just based on what we've seen to now like based on where these teams are right now I feel like UConn would have an outstanding shot of taking down Creighton yeah I would still have as the favorite but you know, man they could do it yeah they they had him on the ropes and you know outside of book night like why did they lose that game it wasn't just because of the free throws but nobody no. else played well in that game offensively at least so you know what happens if you get the UConn team that showed up against Marquette the other day? I mean, yeah. does U- UConn UConn definitely wins, and if that happens, right? Like, yeah, it was also in fairness that Creighton game was after a 17 day break after USC, so they just get this big win at Mohegan, 
and then they have to go on break. And so these guys come back, and we've seen, you know, we've seen what happens after the COVID breaks. You know, teams are rusty, especially UConn has had a really rough time coming off of those, and they still went to overtime against Creighton. Like they give them a, like get, put them in that scenario and like put them in a good scenario in the Garden at coming off a win, rolling into the tournament hot. Completely different game. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if they got him, then whoever, they'd play somebody in the final if that happened. Uh, you know, we would imagine probably either Villanova or Creighton, you know, if it was whichever one's in the other game, I guess. Or who knows, maybe maybe there's a, as we've seen, you know, Butler could pull an upset. Next thing you know, the whole thing is just a, just, you know, set your brackets on fire and, you know, it's anybody's game maybe at that point. <laughs> Boy, wouldn't that be something, huh? <laughs> That would be incredible, <laughs> man. That so, would be a, that would be a real celebration of UConn being back, dude. How awesome would it be if UConn wins the Big East tournament this year? Like, I mean, we got it's. We I feel like it almost. It's just incredible to imagine. Like, what if they actually pulled it off? Like, they yeah. haven't they haven't done it in two, since two thousand eleven. I mean, I guess. Yeah. Well, okay. Shout out to the two thousand sixteen team. That was awesome. But yes. you know what? The Madison Square Garden just hits different, you know? It's just, it would be incredible. And we, let's be honest, we would all be insufferable if UConn wins the Big East tournament in the best way possible. We're pretty insufferable anyway, but yeah. I, well, yeah, but <laughs> just take that and amplify it. But it would just like, it would be amazing and we'd all be celebrating in our own way. It's just, it would be so weird if, you know, if it happens and we're not there for it, because I was I was there the last time we won the Big East championship. That was that was one of the most special nights of my life. Just to just to be part of that. Shout out to my grandfather for bringing me for uh, for that game last minute after we beat Syracuse in the semis. Gives me a call and says we're getting tickets. But wow, what man, a saint! <laughs> I, yeah, that was. I actually lost my ticket in a pizza place the day of the championship. But that's another podcast, I think. Um, mm. That's, uh, but yeah, I mean, if we win the Big East Championship, and, and they can do it, that's the thing. Like, they are capable of winning this tournament. I'm, they're definitely not a favorite, or they're not one of the two favorites for sure, but it would be wild. I'm just imagining just like all of the UConn Twitter heavy hitters just lining up the Syracuse people, the, you know, AAC stands, and. Yeah. All the other naysayers and you know doomsayers who said it couldn't be done, and just dunking on them repeatedly, yeah, for basically the whole like the next six months. And here's the other thing: don't let UConn get hot in March, because man, if that team rolls through the Garden and wins the tournament, goes into the NCAA tournament, there's a run in that team. There is absolutely the space for them to make a huge run in the NCAA tournament if they go all the way at the Garden. Absolutely. And uh, you know what? That seems like a perfect transition. So let's talk about the NCAA tournament. Um, it feels like there's a wide range of possibility for where UConn could theoretically wind up. You got everything from, like, I don't know. What would you say? Like, Let's talk about, like, the, the best-case craziest scenario. UConn wins its next five games in a row. That would So that would be the two games this week plus three games in the Big East tournament. That would probably include wins over, you know, it would Seton Hall for one, and then probably one of, if not both, of Seton, of uh, George, of Creighton and Villanova. 
you know, where does UConn wind up in the seeds then? Is UConn a four seed if that happens? Like, I, I mean, uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm not a bracketologist and a lot. We're talking like a ton of variables, like way more than you could realistically forecast. But yeah. like, you know, UConn in 2011 went from being, you know, well, who knows what seed they would have been, but they wound up a three seed after the five games in five days. So, yeah. I mean, is it out of the realm of possibility that UConn could wind up as like legitimately a pretty good seed? I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I think the thing that helped them get to that three seed line in 2011 is that they had a the number two strength of schedule that year, and it, it's high this year too. It's not like it's not a weak schedule, obviously by any means. It's 43 right now. I I stopped short of going that high because you figure that puts them a four a four puts them into the top 16 realistically. A, a five puts them into the top twenty. I don't know if they have. I don't know if they have the space to get there. I think they could get to the five line. I think if they win the tournament, I could see them getting all the way up to the five line. But I just don't know if that's. I think. I think if they go all the way, I'd say maybe the six. I. I don't know. It's, I'm not a bracketologist either, and I'm also kind of thinking of this from the point of where do I want to see them end up? Because I feel like this team. Playing in, playing in either a six eleven game or a, especially the seven ten, I can see this team being a really dangerous team in a in any bracket in one of those games. the The only thing I'd want to avoid is them being you know is them being an eight or a nine seed. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. We yeah, yeah. we we already have seen how that story ends and it's not pretty. You remember that yeah. Kansas game five years ago? Oh, I remember. It was a lot of blood, man. That's our last tournament game. Ooh. That was uh, not fun. But this, I like, I, I think I've tweeted it a few times. Like, I just like dreaming of the committee putting this team as as the seven or the ten. Who cares? As the six or eleven? Who cares? Them in one of those games is incredibly dangerous. Yeah, like a a very a absolutely a bracket buster at that point. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, obviously that's like the best case scenario. You know, there's yeah. a wide range though. I mean, so there's here, let's talk about the uncomfortable possibility. Well, what happens if UConn goes 0-2 this week and then they lose in the first round of the Big East tournament? Now we're sweating out Selection Sunday, right? Like th- yeah. that's, they're squarely on the bubble if that happens. Yeah. I oof. If they go 0-2 and then lose in the first round, I you're NIT at that point. I think un, like you'd have to get a huge benefit of the doubt from the committee for those games in the middle of the season. But then you also factor in, you know, you roll in like you roll in Owen three into selection Sunday and three of your biggest, you know, as it gets down to crunch time and you just fall flat with your best player on the floor. I don't see any way that they, they get on the right side of the bubble in that situation. I'd say probably a two or three seed in the NIT at that point. You're, yeah, that's 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 pretty not a spot you want to be in. And but by the way, not a spot I expect them to be in. They're gonna, no, they won't, not. they are not gonna go zero and three. Knock on wood. And um, <laughs> you know, geez, yeah, if they do, you guys are all gonna come for me now. I know it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll no. try to hold them off as best I can. Realist, yeah, dude, I'm I'm gonna be a dad, guys. You gotta gotta you know think of the children. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, 
and then obviously there's all kinds of possibilities in between. You know, they could, they they'll maybe they'll finish as a six, maybe they'll finish as like an eleven or a twelve. They could, just as you know. So I'm going to tell you my nightmare. I think um, John Silver, uh, you know, a longtime you know UConn beat writer, uh, tweeted out a screenshot of a CBS. Uh, I don't know whose this is, but it seems to be some sort of sample bracket, and it, it's a picture of my worst nightmare. You want to hear what this bracket looks like? No, but yes. All right. So uh, this is uh, whatever region this is. Um, the one seed, Gonzaga. 8-9 matchup. UConn at the 8, Maryland at the 9. <laughs> but wait, it gets even worse. The the 5-12 game, Kansas versus Winthrop. And if you guys don't know Winthrop, you know that that's a 12 t- see, that is a 12 seed you do not want to face. No. Winthrop is trouble. Bad news. Stay away from Winthrop. That's not good. And by the way, if UConn ended up in a 5-12 game and that was who they were matched up against, ooh, that's that that'd yeah. be a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> Stay away from Winthrop. The four the four thirteen Clemson versus Toledo, whatever Clemson, one of the least threatening, you know, relative to their seed. Uh, yeah. Six versus eleven, Missouri versus Drake. Drake is also a team you want no part of. <laughs> Bad news. Stay away from Drake. Number three, Iowa versus South Dakota State. So now you have Luca Garza in the picture. You have the 7-10 matchup, USC versus St. Bonaventure. USC is really good. You know, UConn's already beaten them once, but Evan Mobley is like a real serious talent. And, Bo, by the way, St. Bonaventure's no slouches either. They're going to win the A-10. And then last but not least, West Virginia is the two versus Eastern Washington. West Virginia. West Virginia. Oh, God. So, this year. so yeah so you want you want to be in that region i sure don't no that's a nightmare scenario let's let's not have that let's have like legit anything but that please that's yes anyway um <sighs> don't worry guys it's gonna be okay <laughs> yeah. everything's fine this is fine i'm just waiting for i'm waiting for lenardi to refresh so I can stop thinking about the possibility of an Indiana Yukon play in game. Cause that's the other thing I want to avoid. I don't want them to be one of the last four in because I want to avoid the f- playing games like the plague. Yeah, no, definitely Actually, really poor phrasing given the last year or so. I just don't want to play against Indiana in the first four. Fair, fair. <laughs> so um, one other, we haven't given this aspect much consideration, but how do we feel about rooting for the biggies to maximize their number of bids? So some of the scenarios we've talked about require Xavier or Seton Hall to lose some games. Should that be something we're concerned about? Like, do do we want Seton Hall and Xavier to make the field? That's a good question. I mean, no matter what, we're in a better basketball conference than we were in. Let's just be real about that. This is such a weird year that I'm going to say no. Because obviously we need to think about UConn before we think about anyone else. And, you know, whatever the committee decides, the committee decides. I think that no matter what, we are in one of the best basketball conferences. So I don't, if you, if there are four teams, you know, if there's three or four teams, great. If there's five, even better, but I'm not too worried about that personally. I mean, I'd love to, I'd love to see as many big East teams as possible. Make it. I mean, there was nothing better, obviously, because we won the national title that year, but having 11 of the 64 be big East teams was amazing, but you know, I care more about what happens with UConn than I do, you know, whether Seton Hall or Xavier make it. I'd be happy if they do. I'm not going to lose sleep over it if they don't. 
Yeah, no, I feel like that's fair. I, I ultimately, I do think Seton Hall and Xavier are both tournament teams. I, I hope that ultimately yeah, the turn the uh, the committee sees it that way. But hey, it's it's gonna it's a free for all this last week. So you know, we'll let's we'll just let the chips fall and see where they you know see where it goes. Although I will, I do have to say this. Uh, I I forget exactly who it was. It may might have been Lenardi. It could have been somebody else. But after Xavier beat Creighton the other day. I remember everyone was really excited to see, oh, what's the next, like, you know, bubble report going to look like? And Xavier actually moved down and they were yeah. the, the last team out. I was like, Xavier Twitter, you know, we're just like, what? And I'm not going to lie. I was pretty, I was like pissed for him. I was just like, wait, wait, for real? Like, how did they, yeah. they like, <laughs> that's ridiculous. They have to be in the field after that win. You can't be serious. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, And also, I don't know what it's going to take for Indiana to fall off the bubble. It feels like the... Well, it's, it's just it's only because the Big Ten is so good that they're even still exactly. in the. If you know what they are, they're the 2012 UConn team. Like they're determined to not make the tournament, and their conference and their ranking, their metrics are just, it just keep it. They just won't let them fall off the bubble. Yeah. I, oh man, I will say I I feel a little, I feel a little less good about the love I gave Penn State a few weeks ago. Granted, it was comparing them to Syracuse, so I'm gonna give them the benefit there. But since I since I talked about why Penn State's resume was better at seven and ten than Syracuse's was at twelve and six, Penn State's one and four or one and three. So I'm just gonna stop talking about the Big Ten now because that conference is just ridiculous. Yeah, there that's a wood chipper. Um, yeah, so that's how it is, man. Um, yeah. Cool. So yeah, so that's that's the lay of the land. So um, I guess before we wrap this up, we should probably just give RJ Cole a shout out. Uh, he just won Big East Player of the Week and. Uh, Boy, did he deserve it or what? Uh, average nine, 19 points, five rebounds, and four assists, shooting 56.7 from the field in his uh, UConn's two wins over Georgetown and Marquette. Uh, James Booknight earned Big East honorable mention, so shout out to him too. And RJ um, Coleman, he's he's playing great. He's averaging 17 per game in that last five games where UConn's gone four and one, and uh, he's learned how to knock down uh, layups and you know close jumpers. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, it feels like he's more aggressive going to the rim than he was, which is something that we've talked about for a while. And you know, he's making those tough shots. Like there are still times where I where I get mad as the ball's in the air about why RJ's taking the shot he's taking, but they fall. And you know, worst case, he's getting fouled and going to the line. You know, the three pointer's still a little streaky, but when it hits, it hits. And he's just been so fun to watch lately. And this is the kind of this is the kind of RJ Cole that they need and if this is if this is the rj cole they're getting you know not, not the greatest comparison because i'm like you know he's more the point guard but he feels like kind of the the boat right to book night shabazz at this point which i think is really important going into march yeah just you know what we all we've been saying all this time you need to get another consistent secondary score and that's been him lately and you know what i think the marquette game you know the georgetown game too like was proof like if you get Book Knight and Cole going, you're gonna win. You know what happened with Georgetown? It was a well. At first, it was looking like an epic blowout, and then it just got close. And then UConn pulled ahead and they won. They took care of business. How? Because Book Knight and Cole are better than anybody who Georgetown had on the court. <laughs> and then against Marquette, it was just it was just hilarious. They were just stunting on him out there. It was yeah. it was awesome. So. It's it's a good to see. So, um, you know, shout out to RJ and uh, all those guys. They're playing great. Uh, one last thing. Um, Josh Carlton got hurt against Marquette. Uh, we don't know his status. It, it seemed like he rolled his ankle. You know, if he's out, you know, obviously he's not UConn's most important player, but 
he has a role and he's important in that role. So thoughts on Carlton and, you know, whatever, I guess, uh, whatever his, his being there and not being there could, uh, what effect that could have. Yeah. I think it, this is going to sound weird. He's not one of the most important players, but he plays an incredibly important role within this team because we saw against Marquette that, that game got pretty nervy when you had Tyrese Martin, Isaiah Whaley and Adama Sanogo all on four fouls for, I believe close to the last 10 minutes of the game. And you had Josh Carlton in the locker room. So especially with a cook of cook playing limited minutes this season, and that's not going to change the rest of the way. It doesn't matter how far UConn goes. It doesn't matter the importance of the game. Like a cook isn't healthy enough to get back to where he was. And you need Josh Carlton. This is a guy who has stepped up in some of the biggest games of the season and put in a really important game. I mean, he has been, he's not like, he's never been the star player, but he has put in some really quality minutes against some of our toughest opponents. And when you've, you know, because at this point we have to accept the fouls are going to get called. This is a really, this is a different big East. There are a lot more touch fouls. There's a lot of really soft whistles, but Sonogo is going to get in foul trouble. Whaley is going to get in foul trouble. Martin is going to get in foul trouble. That's just what happens. That is a pattern at this point. You need Josh Carlton healthy because he can come in and give you 10 to 15 really solid minutes. And that's if they don't have that going, going down the stretch, it's going to make things more difficult. We saw against Marquette that they can do it because of Cole, because of book night and, but you still like you need a you need a veteran guy like that no matter what. Yeah, you you know if they the blueprint is the 2014 team obviously, but I don't think this team wants to do that. I think they they have enough size that they shouldn't need to. And frankly, for Josh's sake, like he's look he hasn't had the easiest career. It would be great for him to finally have a chance to shine in the Big East tournament and you know maybe you know get some you know get a payoff at, at the end of this career and hopefully you know win some games you know. Yeah. It'd be tough to see him have to, you know, watch the bench if that was the case, and especially because, you know, I think it's pretty clear. Like, if Richie Springs was going to contribute, we would have seen him on the court in that Marquette game. Yeah. So it's pretty obvious that he he's not going to be a factor. You know, hey, you know what, Javante Brown, if he if he'd stuck around, maybe maybe that would have been his role, but he's he's not walking through that door either. So right. you know, Carlton's the guy. Carlton's a guy who they, you know, they're going to be counting on in limited role, and it's an important one, like you said. So. Tim, uh, what do you what do you say? That 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 a good place to leave it? I think so. I think that was uh, I think that sets the tone for what's going to be a really fun few weeks. This is what we signed up for. It's what we've been waiting yep. for. It's March, and we got yes. big basketball and a lot of questions that need to be answered. And uh, for once, the the questions that need to be answered aren't terrifying or depressing. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. The possibilities are exciting and endless. Yeah. Tim, well, thank you again for coming on, and uh, you guys all, thanks so much for listening. Um, we got some big stuff, uh, some big game, uh, some big games coming in the next week. We're gonna be previewing the biggest tournament. How about that? Who would have guessed? Let's go. So we'll have uh, we'll have some big stuff there too. Uh, I don't know if you if you guys recall, but if my memory serves. I think it's a pretty significant anniversary. You know, ten years since. I don't know. I think UConn <laughs> won a few games, so you know we'll we'll have a lot to talk about then for sure. So. Um, 
Tim, thank you again for coming on and all you guys, you know the drill. You can follow me on Twitter at Max Cerullo, M-A-C-C-E-R-U-L-L-O. DMs are open. Uh, email is yesuconpodcast at gmail.com. And, uh, you, know, you know, leave us those five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. Hope you like the new music. Um, figured it was due, we were due for a little change up. So, uh, yeah, go Huskies and we'll see how, uh, see how this next week, uh, see what we have in store. Later.